Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Colin. My name is Tierney. My name is Matt. Uh, and we've taken a hiatus uh, for a couple weeks as two of us were traveling uh, across the country and one of us was traveling from one county to another. Um, <laughs> the listener has to it guess who's who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The travel that Matt had to do was definitely <clears throat> number one. It really took everything out of me. I've got nothing left. <laughs> I think uh, I definitely lose. I did the least amount of traveling. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun when I spent two weeks in Florida and then was home in Denver for a couple days and then was in D.C. and then now back in Denver and get to go to Florida tomorrow. <laughs> all, all, listener, all good stuff. <laughs> no notes. Listener, would recommend coming at you. <laughs> coming at you from every different state this is a tour <laughs> of the entire country but you can't tell because it's just our audio but for our yeah, listener i drove we're going 36 through. hours and 52 hours girl <laughs> my Slept favorite was my... when tierney was sending us like here's where like just fyi psa this is where <laughs> i'm sleeping tonight and then we were just like text her the next morning we're like hey you still alive it's just a rest stop in like the middle of nowhere arizona a truck stop in oklahoma yeah the first one she just texted us the the next morning was like physically i am alive so glad we got that yeah so glad we established that i think it's i think it's really important that listener knows why We've been depriving them of our sweet, sweet content. Yeah. Um, yeah, for I, a week. For, for like a one week. Yeah. No, it'll be two weeks by the time this is posted. All right. All right. Don't disrespect the listener. <laughs> I'm sure they noticed. They probably did. <laughs> I mean, think of mm-hmm. all the listener that we collected after... After Chris's episode? episode? After Chris's episode. Yeah, and a, yeah. another Chris episode is what dropped most recently. Um, though I will say, Hannah's been doing uh, the good Lord's work by passing her on the link to the Dirty Dancing episode so that everyone can hear about Johnny Castle, Cunnilingus. So. <laughs> uh, but so, speaking of Chris, do you want to oh, no, tease? I don't want, I want to, oh. I want to go back, sorry. You can tease that in a little bit. Press pause. Um, okay, put a pin in our, it. Our uh, old friend, our old IRL friend, not friend of the pod, uh, Amanda, oh. who we used to work with when we all lived together in Chicago, uh, has constantly been begging me to do more episodes of this pod of movies that she's seen and or at least heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and so she texted me when, Matt, you posted on Instagram something to the effect of like, you like tease the dirty dancing episode. Right. She texted me and she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> when that episode finally went live, she was like, I'm downloading and listening immediately. And I was like, it's probably for the best that you no longer work in an office. <laughs> like, she's like, probably, probably for the best that you work from home. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, also, not embarrassed that Amanda listened to that content, but I was like, if she were still in the office and Matthew just happened to like walk upstairs, that would, I mean, I wouldn't care, but it would just be, like, really not ideal, I think. (laughs) Blasting it from the speakers, like everyone does in that office. Uh, Also, uh, you know, a real, like, academic approach. Oh, we should leave that out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. You can bleep any or... Yeah, we gotta bleep this out. A real bleep! Uh, heavy episode for her to tune into, since all four guests that day yeah. were from uh, the same company. Alums. So. The oh, wow. same unknown anonymous company. <laughs> that may or may Some not. might even call it Anonymous Anonymous. Uh, may or may not have been located in Chicago. In, yeah, and may it's or may not have been located at 242 West Armitage Avenue. It was three. Three, yeah. Yeah, I threw out a wrong number. Oh, to well, bleep out. that too. No, also because I forgot. I, I In my mind, I was saying 342, and then it came out. Two four two. We'll bleep all of this. This is just gonna. It sounds like it's just gonna sound like we're just like. I think. Yeah. Or we should just actually bleep the entire thing, like just one long five minute. Oh. Yeah. This will be a real audio surprise uh, episode. Just lots of little audio surprises for our listener. Just like sprinkling them in. Um, I mean, that's and that's a great, I think that's a great listener feedback to do movies that people actually have seen or want to see. Or heard of. Uh, I think I have us covered for this of. season. Yeah, yeah and I certainly, I have certainly, I, I have exclusively picked movies no one has ever heard of or, uh, or probably don't want to see. But thank you, Tierney. <laughs> thank you, Colin, for picking classics that people can go to. Enough that. We may even have an audio surprise later this episode from somebody who. Uh, oh, there loves it this is. Movie. We got there. We're gonna get into it later, though. We're not gonna say anything more. Maybe we'll drop additional hints, but we're not. I gonna think we can say it's it. Chris. Tyranny. It's fine. We can bleep that. We can bleep that later. Essentially, he didn't want to be on two episodes back to back. He wanted to, you know, give us give us some some space which was very kind of him but uh but we'll hear more about his opinions on this particular movie later which we're about five minutes into this episode and it would be great to actually find out what the hell we're talking about today so the name definitely doesn't say it (laughs) i mean like why we have to say it to make it real if we don't say it ourselves no one will believe that that's what this episode is that's like medieval logic it could be anything at this point. We could be talking about the Irishman. Should we no. talk about the Irishman? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, fine. Uh, <sighs> we are talking about, in case somehow listeners saw this episode in their feed, saw the title of this movie in their feed, and somehow did not know what movie we were talking about. <laughs> Let's say it was auto-playing after they listened to the previous episode. This one just kind of rolled right in, and they're like, all right, whatever, I'll listen to whatever this is. I won't even check to see what it is. Five minutes in now, and they're like, what the fuck are they even talking about? What movie is it? But I think we still get the... I can't believe I don't know. I think we still get the stat count if they've made it five minutes in, so... Honestly, For our purposes. <clears throat> Let's go the entire episode without saying the movie that we're talking about. Because they should Let's see it on the, on the, I, on the link. My right? brain right now, guys, <laughs> we need to move this bit along because I can't cope with it. I am that swirly-eyed emoji that's also melting into the ground. <laughs> so please. Please, for the love of God. We're talking about All About Eve, and Colin, you picked it, so you take it away. <laughs> Wait, Colin, what movie is it? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it's All About Eve. Oh. 
the movie that we watched and are discussing Thank you, Tierney. Is, is about is about Eve. It's all about her, you might say. Some might say. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, this is another one of my picks. Uh, it's a Criterion Blu-ray that I own that I have never seen until just now. Um, heard a lot about this movie. No, basically not knew basically nothing about it. Uh, remember seeing the poster in Matt's apartment when I went and visited him in LA. Um, and this was the, my selection from the 1950s. So I'm doing one from every decade before I was born of movies that I own, but have not seen, um, Full disclosure, I would rather have selected Rafifi, but that is uh, not streaming anywhere. And also, to go back to our previous conversation about people never having heard of these movies. I feel like uh, I've seen that. uh, It was featured in one of the episodes of The Americans' final season, so it's been on my radar ever since. Um, Mm. But yeah, it's not available to watch in any format other than physical media. And since we don't live together anymore, that did not seem like a viable option. So, And can you confirm for me that Rafifi is the spinoff of Lion King about that uh, wise monkey? Mm-hmm. With a stick? This is about his brother. Mm. Yeah. A family affair. Yes. Accurate. But we're not talking about Lion King or his brother. Um, mm-hmm. So... Had any of us had any of us seen this movie before? No, I don't think so. Interesting. Okay, um, I'm. I really like this movie. Um, I was very like I was a little. It feels weird to call it jet lag because it was only two hours, but I was watching this movie relatively late for my brain. Um, so I was like kind of falling asleep. But that was more on me. Um, the The movie itself I found very captivating. Um, I thought Betty Davis was fantastic, um, and I was just like really into it. Um, it was I thought it was just like really fun. Um, did not remind me of a lot of older movies that I've seen. It felt very different the, from His Girl Friday. So uh, as I was watching it, I was like, hopefully Tierney and Matt don't spend the entire episode just completely shitting on this one but i guess we'll see (laughs) getting some smirks so i don't have high hopes but um but yeah i thought this was i thought this was fun i enjoyed it i uh i don't think that this is like one of the greatest like personally i wouldn't count this as like one of the greatest movies of all time but i did really enjoy it and i do think that it's one that i will see i do see myself going back and revisiting um and i do think that i will enjoy it more as as time goes on so that's me time goes by uh i hadn't seen this before Uh, i watched this like two or three weeks ago uh so i'm gonna do my best here because my notes were not helpful in jogging my memory um but i um i want to say that i enjoyed it i thought there's there's a lot more going on um story-wise than his girl friday and as we all know it was not (laughs) nearly the level of of aural stimulation that his girl friday was um to where i was like oh reasonable people having reasonable conversations uh instead of screaming at each other anyway um 
but no, I I feel like if I remember correctly, I did enjoy it. Um, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. I think I struggled to tell the men apart physically. Um, to where I was like, oh, they're different. Those are different people. <laughs> It, it did like, get hard at some point. Like, <laughs> repeatedly, I had to be like, who's that? <laughs> um, and then uh, I also think that, as is often the case with old Hollywood movies, uh, they are a bit racist. Um, yeah. But it was all like, everyone thought it was cool at the time. And so that was my, my two notes was that. And then... Just a line of dialogue that said, Max, you sly puss, because I'm 12 years old, apparently. Um, but no, I feel like I I did enjoy, I thought it was like a more interesting story and more uh, like a uh, original, which mm-hmm. remember that because we're going to, we're going to revisit that later. Mm hmm. Interesting. Mm, interesting. That's, an, that's a fun tease. Yeah. I'm I suppose curious. I could just go into it now or right after that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I, I probably know what, what you're referring to. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go for it. Yeah. Um, well, I would say, yeah, I had only seen the poster in my apartment uh, <laughs> since I moved to LA. So you saw the whole movie. Uh huh. <laughs> That's all I'd seen. Uh, and then I watched it. Had you, had you never heard of this movie until you saw that poster? <laughs> I'd, like, heard about it, but for some reason I thought it was, like, somebody losing their mind. But maybe I'm, I'm thinking of, like, Alice doesn't live here anymore. But, like, there's kind of the... I, I don't even know if Alice doesn't live here anymore is about somebody hey. losing their mind. But, like, I don't know what... I just kind of <clears throat> thought... I don't know. Anyway... Didn't really have any context for it, um, but also really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was very uh, entertaining. I thought the performances were really good. Um, I do think it felt very fresh, Mm -hmm. only because you have the context of when it came out compared to many, many other movies that have cribbed notes from it uh, and basically retold this same story. Mm -hmm. Um, through various genres, yeah. uh, with you know various uh, lead female performances that I think have been really, in some cases, award-winning. Uh, but I, I think this is like a great template that a lot of other people have kind of followed in terms of, you know, the ingenue who pushes out the aging star and all of the conflict and backstabbing and betrayal that comes with it so um i won't i won't i mean i could t- toss out five movies that <laughs> hit I us inspired let's do it uh black swan oh yeah the favorite yeah um uh, god i had some other <laughs> ones i mean the, the most important one showgirls uh, <laughs> but, i would uh, also yeah. say tar Mm, interesting. Huh, okay. I mean, mm. the 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 end of Tar is a, almost a straight rip from this movie. <laughs> only oh, only she so. doesn't get found out like Eve. Uh it is like unfolded. Spoilers for Tar if anyone's listening <laughs> and hasn't seen the movie Tar. Yeah. Spoilers for Tar. But also if you are listening and you haven't seen Tar, 
go see Tar. Yeah, what are you doing? Tar fucking rules. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, any other ones that we could say off the bat that... Yeah, uh, I mean, I have never seen this movie. Mean Girls. Yeah, oh, said, Mean Girls mm. is one. Uh, the one that I was thinking of was Single White Female, uh, which I've never seen that mm. movie, but uh, I am familiar with that movie because it's a joke running bit in an episode of Happy Endings where um, Max is single white femaling Penny to get with her. Is he like a physical therapist or something? I don't know. But anyway. Oh, uh, I remember that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a line where Penny says, you're single white femaling me. And I just like, <laughs> I, every time I think of that line, I just laugh. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's definitely now well-worn territory. But um, thinking of, like, you know, had I seen this in 1950 when it first came out, I do think it would have been like, oh, this is really cool and and fun and unique. Um, So I, yeah, you know, it's it's always hard to to put that particular hat on when you watch a movie with all the context. I find it hard sometimes. I mean, Matt clearly finds it hard. (laughs) But I mean, that's like saying you can't watch 2001 without being like, wow, this was the first big sci-fi movie. I feel like it's easier to go into that because then you're like, wow, everything's so novel. Well, I think I think there are like what Colin is trying to say is that like if I look at a bone and somebody is like that bone was man's first tool. I'm not looking at the bone and being like, wow, what a tool. I'm like, yeah, that was the pr- that was the draft that everything else improved upon. And that's, so you're I feel saying like, what that I feel you like look at like Shakespeare movies. and you're like, that's a bone. Well, I think Shakespeare kind of is different from a lot of other plays of that time, which are shit. But like, <laughs> I think I think there are certain movies, certainly like I think this He's one so flustered. <laughs> no, I just I I want to say it the right way. Uh, I think like this and Citizen Kane and uh, I always bring up like Rules of the Game and uh, you know a, a, a number of other older movies. I think one set the standard or like established a lot of new bold first time things and stand the test of time is like very solid, entertaining, and well structured movies. Whereas I think some other, you know, silent films in particular, I'm kind of like, I don't think this is better than anything that came after it. Even if it was doing, like, Buster Keaton, you know, standing in the slot of a giant side of a house that falls over him is impressive and, you know, hard to do. Okay, first of all, there is one Buster Keaton movie that actually is really funny. I think, is it The General? The one where he's in the train. I remember being like, this is actually, like, humor that carries... Granted, this has been years since I've seen it. But I remember being like, oh, this humor is still... It's like slapstick. It's still relevant. But you're not comparing, like, the riffraff from the same era that we don't even know the names of. You're comparing, like, one of the better films of that era to... Mod- like it's it's a good enough story that has sure. rendered further iterations and that's where something like Shakespeare would be an accurate metaphor because most plays from that period you don't even know about but then you know Julius yeah. Caesar 
Romeo and Juliet, right. etc. And so the it's the good ones have staying power and inspire further things, mm-hmm. but most mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, or I think to you know to get back to the point that we were kind of saying of the doing it for the first time doesn't always necessarily award you special points in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like doing it the first time is obviously like, hey, good job, you've done it, you've pioneered this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't necessarily think that that's like special extra credit when it comes to like good, like the quality of something. So. I would say with this particular movie, though, I think a lot of the things that they did for the first time were really inventive. And, like, obviously it stands among all of the great usurper stories that have come in its in its uh, wake. But uh, they're all, I think they're all modeling themselves off of All About Eve. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a, a mark for All About Eve to be, like you said, having that staying power. Having that influence, I would say, of, like... Yeah. It did it so well that the influence that it had has reverberated through cinema. Cinema. Um, one other one. As the Italians say. Before we move on, I feel like we're towards the end of this particular component. Uh, I, I was just like, say the end of the section. I was like, I oh, we're, damn, we're I already think, on categories. I think we're done with the pod. We did it, everyone. Congratulations <laughs> to us. We made it. <laughs> Record-breaking shortest episode ever. And then our listeners, like, has Stockholm Syndrome, like, doesn't want it to end now that he's been trapped for 79 episodes. Or she. Could be a she. Could be a she. Sometimes, I mean, canonically, listener is a different person every episode. So, like, it probably has been she from time to time. Well, listener listener is a a non-binary concept, so they... Are listening to whatever yeah. we're putting in front of them. Um, so okay, after yeah, I watched so. the movie last night, I was like uh, doing my traditional Wikipediaing, and uh, one. So you know, as we mentioned, we were thinking of several different, you know, variations on this particular theme over the last, you know, however long. Uh, one that I was not thinking of, but uh, did cause me to chuckle, is Magic Mike. <laughs> oh my god, I almost said Magic Mike, but I was like, I don't know if that's necessarily, but no, it is. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then, uh, so in this Wikipedia thing, they are, uh, the, like, one of the things that they mention is that, like, so in this movie, the usurper is named Eve, while in Magic Mike, the usurper is named Adam. Oh. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> So, wow. So, yeah, I wasn't necessarily planning oh. on doing an all about Eve Magic Mike double feature, but I guess that, that is oh, shit. in the cards for me here. So. And, and, and Mike and Margot. Mm-hmm. Wow. I. Well, Magic Margot. I, I almost sent Magic Margot as the, as the <laughs> Zoom link. <laughs> oh, you shut up. Um, I would have enjoyed it. But I was it. like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um all right let's get into it yeah Should we? Um, it's good movie all done <laughs> the end. well i don't have any other notes so i actually didn't write down notes for this one so colin <laughs> i uh, don't tread the path so here's the thing i don't necessarily have like specific things that i want to talk about because i think to me this was just successful as like a this was like a really entertaining movie 
that like was just like competently made. Um, Love it wasn't those. Like, which yeah, I mean, like it's nice to have, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I there weren't a, a ton of things that I was like, oh, this is like inspiring me to dig deeper, um, which is perfectly fine. Like I don't necessarily need movies to be like that, but um, a couple of things that I did particularly enjoy. Um, I thought the script was really good. Um, yeah. I didn't, uh, because I, when I, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but like when I'm watching a movie for the first time, I try not to look at my phone. Um, so usually like I'm in a theater, it's really easy. I just put my phone in my pocket and ignore it. But when I'm at home, I have to like make a concerted effort. So like there were several like moments of dialogue that I thought were like really fun. Um, and I didn't write any of them down. So this is good podcasting mm-hmm. that I'm just going to talk about them broadly. But <laughs> um, <laughs> meanwhile, Matt I, is like a little note taker, like scribe and all <laughs> Matt's of them. Like, I'm using my phone all the time, every movie, no matter what, even if I'm in the theaters. I mean, I definitely monster. missed some lines <laughs> in this movie trying to. Ju- well, actually, not this one because I clearly it didn't take any notes. I thought I did actually. That's what's so weird is I looked to see my notes and I was like, oh, I guess I didn't take any. But I was really just absorbing it, I guess. I was really feeling the movie. Um, the one that jumped out to me is uh, Fasten Your Seatbelts, It's Gonna Be a Bumpy Night, which I had, like, obviously we've heard countless versions of that line in hundreds of movies. Um, and for whatever reason, the only one that's stuck in my head right now is the weird shrunken head from Harry Potter 3. Uh, on the night bus where it's like it's going to be a bumpy ride um i don't know why but that's the only one that's lodged in my brain but i had no idea that that was from this movie um oh i didn't either that was a real so when she said that i was was like like, oh shit (laughs) like what (laughs) almost to the point like i mean kind of like yours like we talked about i heard it and was like so that's just like a saying right yeah it's like only to find out well but no this is like this is the first time that it was like in movies or in media was like oh. fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a blank mm-hmm. bumpy, whatever. So like this did start that line, which is crazy that some of the, like, I think especially when you look at older movies or classics, like Casablanca obviously has a ton, but there are some lines that have been like repurposed over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it, and only watching the origin are you like, oh, whoa. It has a, it has a beginning? Mm-hmm. Like memes almost. We're like memes. You're like, I don't know where this came from or who did it first. It's just in the ether now. And this is like, oh, shit. This is where it started. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Wow. I think my favorite thing uh, when Matt starts talking about old movies is he, he references the three that he's seen. <laughs> <laughs> Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Rules of the Game, and Citizen Kane. Yeah. Listen, I've seen Philadelphia Story. I my right, machine, let, my Philadelphia shoes, y'all. Story is a sore subject on the pop, so let's move on. From uh, I've also seen Rules of the Game, which I've mentioned several times. But yeah, I've old seen... movies are full of them, especially like obviously again. There's like the old movies that you don't even know about because you never have heard of them. But the big old right. movies, there's so many. I mean, the uh, I think I've said this before, but the whole term gaslight comes from the movie Gaslight. Mm-hmm. 
and right. uh, <laughs> you have like, uh, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Is that Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind. That is. Yeah. Um, which that movie sucks, but anyway, um, you have <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life has a load of them. Uh, there's like so many just peppered out. You know what also has some? I feel like Pink Panther has some ones that people still reference. Uh, yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Girl, gotta be getting in that Pink Panther reference. <laughs> whether, Always. It, whether it's warranted or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do feel like a Jim, friend of the pop Jim, would know for sure. Uh, he's much better with the Pink Panther canon than I am. But I feel like the first the one. The canon? PP cannon. Huh? <laughs> the PP cannon. The PP cannon. Yeah. The first one I feel like has some quotable things in it. I mean, at the very least, that theme song um, mm-hmm. is in so many things. Panther. Do you know? Pink, 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 panther. He wants to show me. There's a video where a guy takes common tunes and puts them in the opposite key. And so I think Pink, oh. the Pink Panther theme is in the minor key. And so he puts it in the equivalent major key. And it sounds horrible, but so fun. <laughs> uh, and they do it with like James Bond is another one. I think Mario. Uh, Mario theme song as well. Anyway. Uh, yes, old movies are full of them. Also, um, I don't know. It's kind of like a, for me, it, watching older movies is less like a, oh, that's where it came from sort of thing, like you were saying, and more like, uh, I don't know, I can still put myself in the mindset of, like, the, imagine seeing it for the first time. So, like, I saw... Because you uh, did in the 50s. I almost said Hawaiian. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween, I saw when I was 13, and I was at a sleepover, but I wasn't allowed to sleep over. So... Everyone was like, this is stupid, but... How do you feel about that now? Do you still think about that? Well, it was a really scary bike ride home. <laughs> oh, no. So, it wasn't the best. Do you think that's influenced any, you know, <laughs> any events in your in your current day? How do you think that's left an impact on you as an adult? Uh, that I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers? That you weren't allowed to stay over. Mm. I think I'm okay. But uh, everyone, like half the group was like, this isn't that scary. And then the other half, which I was in this group, was like, but if you watch it as if it was 1970 and this just came out for the first time, it's fucking terrifying. And for some reason, it's not hard for me to get in that mindset of like, wow, like Metropolis, a silent sci-fi movie. Mm. I watched it in film class and was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes it is hard for me to. And that's what I was kind of getting to. It has to be good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like that's that's one of my stumbling blocks is like if 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 it if for whatever reason i like the iterative versions of it better than like this one it's harder for me to like get myself to that place i can't just like walk into anything and be like all right let's turn our brains back in time you know 60 years or whatever um but yeah i do think it's fun that you were allowed to go to this party you were not allowed to spend the night but you did watch the halloween 
like an R-rated movie. Like, I assume your parents didn't know that you were watching the R-rated movie, but I do think it's funny that you were like, I wasn't allowed oh. to spend the night, so we just watched an R-rated movie instead. And they then wouldn't I care. They were, like, uh, there's a number, again, this is, I probably talked about this before, big, huge Jackie Chan fan uh, as a kid. And a number of those movies are R-rated um, for violence and I was watching them at like six and so it was like specific <laughs> R-rated movies we were watching but it was like I would like Rumble in the Bronx I remember is, is R-rated and that was like my dad had to sit there with us and watch it and then I know at one part it got like a little too violent so he did what was probably the worst thing for a parent to do which is send the kids upstairs and make them never forget it as opposed to pretend nothing <laughs> happened and yeah. like it's not that big of a deal instead I just remember my brothers and I on the stairs watching the scene and I still remember the scene See, like exactly anyway uh, so the R-rated movie was not the was not an issue um, it was more the fact that I have two older brothers who at that point were consuming alcoholic beverages at sleepovers and my parents did not care mm. for it so sure. they were like it's a blanket policy no sleepovers anymore <laughs> Do what you guys do, you know? Yeah. Um, That reminded me, uh, one of my favorite maneuvers I've ever come across uh, for, like, shielding people who shouldn't be seeing certain things. Um, Matt's beloved Gattaca was a movie that we watched in AP Bio. And there is a sequence where um, Ethan Hawke, I think, one of of them, I'm not 100% sure, is, like, walking around naked. And so, Matt's like, yes, uh-huh, yeah. Well, for one, it starts with him, like, scraping his body yeah. naked in I remember the shower. that. And then later, they're swimming naked. Swimming naked, that's what it was. I was going to say, I thought they were, like, on yeah. a beach, but I wasn't 100% sure. In any case, uh, my... <laughs> so, we, I watched this in high school. Uh, our AP bio teacher brought the, the DVDs, like, case out in front of the screen and was just like so if you if you notice here it's just like reading tidbits from the dvd case to like block us from seeing the scene it was so stupid but also really funny i think because i watched that in school too but i wouldn't be surprised if first of all i did not watch that in bio i watched it in a world history class sure yeah of course <laughs> is is a big brother isn't it like 1984 isn't is uh it's just mm. like genetic classism that's yeah. yeah so this was like we would talk about world history events and then like uh themes related to it and then bring them to present day debates anyway so we watched Gattaca but I would not be surprised if my teacher uh timed it so that that scene was broken up right at a passing period because yeah. I have no like, memory oh, we'll of this scene. Up. Yeah, and then you just start at the next scene. <laughs> the next day. Because yeah. I I'm um, genuinely, um, I have no memory of this. Well, we'll have to yeah. watch it because uh, I've seen it that one time and thought it was fine. And Matt loves it somehow. I love it. <laughs> Could it be uh, gonna, that there's a I'm peen? Gonna... No, there's no peen. Oh, I think it's, it's one of butts. Jude Law's best performances. Oh. And it's barely butts. It's not a very sexy movie at all. But Uma Thurman is excellent. I was going to say, and I, also, I couldn't like, remember it was the rise Jude of Maya Law Hawk. and um, Ethan Hawke, but I couldn't remember who the, yeah. who the female was. Uma Thurman, you're right. It's a stacked <laughs> cast. 
Um, uh, there's other Ernest Borgnine is in it. Anyway, we I'm gonna beg us to get back on All About Eve. Like, let's actually talk about I, this movie. I know we we had a lot of fun. I mean, but we've got to actually talk about this movie. We keep in mind, we do have a seven all. minute lecture from Chris. So if we're at <laughs> 35 minutes right now, we're technically at 42. Yeah. Should we just go through the quotes uh, of this movie and talk about some of the things that we liked about this movie? Matt, why are you so Matt, angry I watched all of a this sudden? three weeks ago. We have, for 10 minutes, we've been talking about everything but Eve. Well, this, look, this we is already, all about We learned Eve. all about her. We watched the movie. We learned literally what everything is the movie there about? is to know about who her. Is, who are the characters in it? What's happening? When does this take place? How... Let's talk but about like the framing Wikipedia device. can tell people that. Bah! Anyway, uh, <laughs> what I'm going to say is I think the framing device is really interesting and I was not expecting it to start with like... The Oscars? flash forward Oscars. Yeah, like yeah. an award ceremony to celebrate like our youngest, newest actress, Eve. I, uh, do you think they'll do a Eve movie Harrington? of this? Eve Harrington. Go ahead, sorry. Do you think they'll do uh, like another All About Eve spinoff? Uh, and use the slap from last year's Oscars as the the Oscars framing device, and then it like freeze frames, and it's like you're probably wondering how I got in this situation. One of those, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. So I typically hate those, and I think I'm on record. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're kind of lazy. I usually really, really, really don't like those. But I think that this one was fun in that, first of all, uh, the voiceover at the beginning is from uh, Addison DeWitt character, mm-hmm. who fucking sucks. Um, a real a real villain that only comes at the end. Just like right at like, the end. Oh, like, holy you're shit. a shithead. You've been a you're the real shithead. <laughs> Just such a bag of dicks this whole time. You didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> um... But I did like the way that it was, it's, was, uh, he was kind of presenting the background and I can't remember exactly what he says, but when he's basically just like, I don't know, this old dude's just talking about some nonsense. It's not important. You can ignore that. I thought that, that was like a really fun way, <laughs> like a fun spin on the, I mean, spin, you know, <clears throat> um, but a fun way to get around what I normally don't like about those. As Tierney said, you're probably wondering how I got here intros um which i thought was was pretty fun um i also thought so it started with his voiceover and then we like cut to um god what's her name the wife what the uh wife of the player karen karen thank you um it, it goes to her voiceover at the beginning of the story and so i was like I thought that we were going to be getting, like, each one of the main characters were going to be, like, giving us their voiceover sections. And so, like, it starts with Karen giving us, like, okay, here's how Eve got into all of our lives. And then it's like, okay, Margo's like, okay, now Mm -hmm. Eve is, like, my assistant or whatever. So I'm going to tell this portion of of the story. And, like, eventually we were going to get it all the way around to all the main characters getting us back to this point. Um and so I was a little bummed that we'd never got that. Um, I can agree with that. I think it would have been fun to get a little bit more into some of the other characters' heads a little bit more. Um, but... Well, and in that regard, we kind of do. I mean, we it's do. It's just the, the framing device is so 
forgotten, I think, midway through. I think besides every so often Karen will come on with a voiceover and be like, and those were the good old I days. Was like, but like, there were several times like, where yeah. she just started talking again. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. There is voiceover in this yeah. movie. I had like, totally forgotten that we yeah. were in some sort of weird framing device. <laughs> it does call attention to the fact, though, that she is kind of the arbiter of all of the events that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, without her sticking her nose where it doesn't belong and getting Eve shit that she doesn't deserve, it wouldn't have gotten this bad. So I think there is a certain amount of, like, personal responsibility that uh, Karen specifically feels for the rise of crew. I mean... Oh, God, fuck you. Fuck uh, you. (laughs) So let let me... I was talking with my brother, uh, like, a week or two ago. He has a two-year-old daughter, and I was talking to him, I was like, what are you going to do tonight? And he's like, oh, I'm probably going to watch a movie. And I was like, what movie? And he was like, I don't know, maybe one of those Despicable Me minion movies. And I was like, what do you think of those? And he goes, they're pretty fun. Ugh. And I was like, yeah, I saw the first two and I thought they were pretty funny, but my friends give me such shit for it. <laughs> but like, they are yeah. funny. I love the way that Tierney turned on serious voice. She's mm-hmm. like, haha, telling this fun little anecdote. But then Matt and Colin. <laughs> I mean, the minions are are just. Gru is fuck. the funniest part of those movies. I don't know what you're talking about. There's the whole. I don't know. You guys can judge me all you want. Here's what I'll say. Who There's w- a reason they're successful. Yeah. Well. And there's a reason all about Eve under and the right, Silver Lake isn't as successful. Wow. Oh, <laughs> there is no need <laughs> to start attacking previous movies. Oh, we've done. shit. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't wow. resist. But uh, what That's if I did action. pick the Minion movie as one of my movies? I would For watch love it. I would God, just please be so don't mad do at you. <laughs> Tyranny. What if you, you were mad, but then as you were watching, you were like, it is kind of fun. I've seen Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2. And you seen, thought they were We don't stupid? need to have a count. Yes! I saw Despicable Me the same summer as Toy Story 3. And I was angry that anyone liked Despicable Me 2 more. Or Despicable Me more. And you know what the problem is? That young kids love Despicable Me because it doesn't talk about mortality but Toy Story 3 is... Okay, know, Toy Story 3 is a movie for millennials. That is a mm-hmm. movie for Duh. adults who were children when the first one yes. came out. So you have to think of it as if Toy Story 1 came out or Despicable Me came out. Because Toy Story is going to mean something like... to us that it's not going to mean to kids. Because but Despicable Andy Me was, is also like man, Looney Andy tunes. was going to college. He is literally I know, but Despicable age. Me is dumb. <laughs> Despicable Me is like very low-brow, lowest common denominator kind of jokes of like farts. What fart jokes are in there? Literally, okay, so at the ride in Universal, the Despicable the Me movie. Minions ride, which I've ridden, there's a whole banana fart thing yeah and just banana being like banana oh banana and having everyone shove each other into cannons and like it's it's just i can't (laughs) care about here's what i will say oh my god but grew i like sorry i like the first despicable me movie i think it's i think it's like a like a perfectly fine 
mostly fun, mostly enjoyable, like, three-and-a-half-star kids movie. What I don't like is the the Minions were very much my least favorite part of Despicable Me. (laughs) My favorite part of Despicable Me were the actual, like, human characters and Gru and his relationship with those three girls. I I hate that, too. I fucking hate the Minions. I think they're really obnoxious. (laughs) I don't find them, like, cute or fun or charming at all. I just think they're really, like, to Matt's point, I think they're just, like, really, really base-level humor and it did not work for me. And then when I saw Despicable Me 2, I was like, oh, they just decided that they were going to go all in on the Minions. I'm out on this franchise. And so that's where, like, I do like the first one. I will ride for Despicable Me 1. I'm out after that. The Minions can fuck off. What I think I like most is that Bill Simpson <laughs> is so loyal to his wife. His girlfriend that- and then wife. His girlfriend, then wife. But, like, despite the us- the clear usurping that's being attempted, he's like, fuck off. I'm not interested in this. And, like, has some great lines. I think Bill might be one- low-key one of my favorite characters in the movie. Uh, I think Margot is a great character, though. Like, Margot is kind of all-time. And the fact that she, like, switches from her, like, southern drawl that she actually has to this, like, wow, I'm a movie star. It's so funny. And... Uh, like, a great character trait to introduce right off the bat that, like, she's actually kind of, like, you know, easygoing and kind of... Or, I mean, not easygoing. That's a that's the wrong word to use for somebody as, like, uh, high-maintenance as Margot. <laughs> but the fact that she's, like, a pretty, like, normal southern girl who just, like, likes to party and act and then puts on this air of, like, oh, I'm a star... Yeah, it's really fun to see that slowly kind of fracture as Eve slowly works her way up. And Anne Baxter does a great job of, like, really? I mean, it's, like, it's very foreshadowed through a lot of different things, obviously, the framing device. But, like, you immediately are, like, this, she's hiding something. So She is not to be trusted. How, like, at what point in the movie did you guys think that like the whole thing was a lie because like oh as soon as she was on the street corner and she was like oh i'm here every night i've seen every performance i'm like bullshit (laughs) yeah i didn't didn't really trust her from the beginning i yeah i mean like obviously to your like you said matt like the framing device sets it up as like you know something's going on with her but Mm -hmm. i was like I didn't necessarily believe that she was there for every performance, but like I was, I, I was like, yeah. I mean, maybe she was just like, I don't know. I lost my husband, and like, I, no I didn't life. Yeah, just like I don't have, like what it, what is my life now? Um, I mean, that seems pretty apt for women in the fifties. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then I can't remember exactly when, but at some point, I was just like, oh yeah. Like, she's definitely up to some shady shit. Because, like, the framing device could be read as just, like, you know, just a general Margot's getting older and this is, like, new blood and taking over, you know, like, not necessarily, like, this specific person tried to take over my exact life, but just, like, oh, this person is new and I'm not new anymore. Um, You know, Shades of, of Babylon god bless oh another one yeah another yeah absolutely um thought of babylon but yeah i think it, like it becomes pretty clear 
that there is more something a little bit more sinister going on. I do think yeah. that like Just the like twist at the. Clear. I do think, like, the twist at the end that Addison is, like, onto her uh, and just, like, mm-hmm. knows literally everything was very surprising. Like, because it, it became clear pretty early on that, like, she was obviously, like, hiding some stuff and mm-hmm. and or lying about everything just to be famous. Um, so I do, mm. like, the, the twist that he uh, was just like, oh, yeah, I've, I've known all along and also... Yeah. I wonder if the Shades reason of, this is sh- so successful is because it's probably a story that happens regularly in Hollywood. Well, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say also Shades of Talented Mr. Ripley in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, of, like, somebody being like, you're not all that you say you are. Um, but, yeah, and that slow transformation of her taking over is also so fun to watch. Uh, of, like it's out of it's like out of their hands now mm-hmm. there's like she's too connected and too many people like her and i i thought the party is like maybe the heart of the movie mm-hmm. there's like so much good stuff that happens at that party of your on margot's side where you're like yeah this little nobody is like clearly here to hobnob and steal your friends and everyone is like we've had about enough of you margot and you're like oh shit this is how it happens it's like using all of her weaknesses to then discredit her in front of her friends and then like um yeah make her less defensible where she kind of falls out with a lot of people because she's like nervous about losing all of her friends like it's eve sets it up perfectly uh and like holding the dress up to her body to see how it would look and the big one was like i thought the phone call was really funny (laughs) <laughs> when it's like you have a scheduled phone call and she's like Margo's like what? I do? What? Oh, yeah. uh, what's happening? What time is it there? And like I thought the, I thought Betty Davis's performance was so funny <laughs> to be like half awake and be like oh, oh happy birthday uh, okay yeah, I'm, that was nice of Eve to do and I think that's the first moment where it's like oh yeah she's she's yeah. firing the missiles there's like a clear plan and Eve playing it off like, oh, I just figured that you would want to talk to him as soon as possible on his birthday. And it's like, bitch, 6 a.m. would have been fine. 3 a.m. <laughs> is for, crazy. For, well, yeah, but I mean, he was in L.A., right? So 6 a.m. for her right. would have been 3 a.m. for him. Right. Ludicrous. 9 a.m. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I, I did love watching that. I was like, Eve, you're really stirring up some shit. That was fun. I like that uh, Birdie was onto her from Jump, but then I also yeah. was bummed that Birdie was <clears throat> not really much of a character after the first act. Disappear. <laughs> yeah, she's like, don't trust this girl. And Margo's like, oh, hush. And then she's gone. Yeah. And I was like, well, you could have used Margo. <laughs> yeah. Or you could have used Birdie. Birdie should have been around. She maybe should have listened to her a little bit. <laughs> Justice yeah. for Birdie. Justice for Birdie, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yeah. Vote for Lady Birdie. <laughs> Um, speaking um, of the party, yeah. uh, little Marilyn Monroe cameo. Yes. Oh, oh we yeah. gotta talk about Marilyn Monroe. A vision. As soon as she enters, you're like, oh shit, I get it. Of course. Yeah. Is this your first nothing... time seeing Marilyn Monroe? Uh, no, but it's her first I, acting I mean, role, I think. I don't know if it's her first first, but it's definitely like early, early Marilyn Monroe. So I okay. think we're not like that a... as if this was the first role you've ever seen her in. I had to. No, I think. 
Claire's point was like, I like to the idea of like putting yourselves in that like okay, it's nineteen fifty. Yes, I'm seeing this for exactly. the first time. Like putting yourself into that headspace. If you see yeah. Marilyn Monroe it for the first time in this particular role, even though it's like very very small role, you're you're just like oh, I understand why you became marilyn monroe like i, I yeah. get it because like, like i've seen some like it hot and watching that you're like oh yeah it's, of course it's marilyn monroe but with this it's like you've been with betty davis who's a star and ann baxter who's very like attractive and a good actress so like you know appealing to look at and then when marilyn monroe enters it's like holy shit what like truly in a league of her own like a a, a real movie star and she, like, nails every line in the small part that she has, uh, which I think is, like, yeah, to watch the beginning of her career is, is something in and of itself. To, and the fact that she's, like, credited along with all these other people, mm-hmm. even though her part is, like, probably a little bigger than Birdie's. And, like, I think Birdie actually, we'll talk about this maybe in the awards, but, uh, like, yeah. Marilyn Monroe, an, a very small part and a very big impact, I think, on like the, the Men's movie pants. itself. Exactly, also a that. big impact. <laughs> she, her character, shows up uh, with the producer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. And she just like shows up with the producer. Yeah, that's fun. Um, that's another thing that just like feels like. Like you thinking of like uh, Boogie Nights? Um, oh, people Boogie just, Nights like, is another. Yeah. Show up with the Colonel and then do way too much coke and just start bleeding all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> by people, you mean Julianne Moore? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, I was gonna add something to that and then I forgot. Miss Caswell, that's Marilyn Monroe's name in this. Miss Caswell. Oh, uh, when you were talking about the party, one thought I had uh, was uh, Betty, da- or, you know, Margot uh, was just like throwing back martinis. And obviously, like they weren't actually martinis, but I was just like, mm-hmm. damn, if this woman was throwing martinis back, like she has like four in this like one party. I was like, yeah, she, flammable. She would maybe be dead. <laughs> Her breath would be flammable. <laughs> Yeah, old people drink so fast in movies. Yeah. And by, by old people, I mean people in old movies. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Man, old people drink... Oxygenarians yeah. know how to tip <laughs> them back. God, those 90-year-olds need to fucking cool it. I need another whiskey shot, stamp. I'm drunk. But only in movies. Yeah. Only in movies. <laughs> um, uh, while we're talking about Betty Davis, I don't think that I... I genuinely think this might be the only Betty Davis performance I've ever seen. It's definitely mine yeah. that I was at least aware of. Because even yeah, when you... And I didn't true. look at the cast. So when you guys were mentioning Betty Davis, I looked her up because I didn't even know she was playing. Uh, she looks like my hairdresser, um, which is just a fun, <laughs> a fun fact. Uh, the lady who cuts my hair, and then um, all I could think about is the song "Betty Davis Eyes." Fuck yes, Tyranny. Which, Thank you. Which so I knew it was gonna come wait, up. But so wait, much. I fucking there was a knew twist. it was gonna come. I up. didn't There's even do it, Matt. I didn't even do it, even though I was about to. All right, what's the twist, Tyranny? <laughs> so whenever I hear the song "Betty Davis Eyes" or I hear the name Betty Davis, 
in my mind, based on a bit from 10 years ago, Betty Davis's eyes are the eyes of Steve Buscemi. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Which oh is no. an old, old bit. I don't even remember how it started. And so literally that whole song, that song has been ruined for me forever. When people are like, she's got Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> I just, <laughs> the only thing of, anyway. <clears throat> But yeah, no, I just think of Betty Boop, oddly enough, because <laughs> uh, I, I haven't seen enough Betty Davis to even knew, know what to reference in my head. So whenever I hear Betty Davis eyes, I just imagine Betty Boop. Well, I didn't even know she does she have big like old it. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I fucking love the song Betty Davis Eyes, uh, mostly because Matt hates it so much. <laughs> I don't it's not like a good it. song. <laughs> it's not a good song. And she hold you! <laughs> And she scolds you. That's why. Like and she knows just what. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my least favorite songs. I will say. I like. I groan when I hear it on the radio, and I immediately change the channel. I will. And as soon as I started watching this, I texted Colin. I was like, "You son of a bitch! I know why you picked this movie now, you bastard." It she is knew. not uncommon for me to just like randomly text Matt Betty Davis eyes. Like and I'll either like down a every YouTube time. link or a Spotify <laughs> link or sometimes just some lyrics. I'm just out of nowhere, like totally sans context, just to like ruin his day. And so, I Tierney, thank you, some, thank you, yeah, thank you uh, for bringing it up. I was going to, I, and bless you. She wanted I to almost did contra- because okay. it's so relevant. Oh wait, what's going to be controversial? So, I feel. The way that you f- seem to feel about a certain song that everybody loves. You ready for is this? Is it Happy by Pharrell Williams? Is it no. the Juicy Fart song from Beyonce? No. It is Damn you. Don't Stop Believing by Journey. I fucking hate <laughs> that song. I hate it so much. The only time I will enjoy it is if it's like, you know, you've been dancing at a bar and it comes on. But other than that, if it comes on the radio, I've never, I never change a channel faster than when that song wow. comes on. <laughs> wow. That's a good one, though. I can, underst- I can understand the fear. It's- or not the fear. Oh, God, it's a song. Oh, the God, no. Uh, some, yeah. There's a lot of, like, the big, like, um, Behind Blue Eyes is another one by The Who where I'm like, ugh. <laughs> where it's just, that one's just been overplayed yeah. and it's in everything but don't stop believing it's just like i've never i've never liked it i think the songs like don't stop believing which are like and like kind of nasally very yeah and it's just kind of like uh like very i don't know if this is the right word for what i'm trying to explain but like syncopated where it's very like Mm. clipped and just kind of like sing-songy or stuff like Betty Davis eyes, which is just kind of like doing its own thing. They both have like a weird at, yeah. synthy sound to them, and they're both very nasal, and that's probably I think, why I don't like either. I I enjoy listening to Betty Davis eyes most. Like I said, honestly, mostly because it annoys Matt so much. But like, I do think that like the musically. I like Betty Davis eyes. I think her voice is a tough hang. It's a girl. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, correct. <laughs> it sounds like a... It sounds, they both sing as if they're, like, trying to pass a kidney stone or really painful shit. It's like it's a... Screechy. Like a... It's very throaty. It's nasally yeah. and it's throaty. It's an ear, nose, and throat situation. <laughs> it's an EMT song. Yeah, it's hurting my ears because their nose and their throat are too involved in this song. You guys, uh, two things. One, Tierney, if you're tired of Behind Blue Eyes by The Who, can I interest you in Behind Blue Eyes by Limp Bizkit? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking two, okay. Teenage the, Wasteland uh, is another one. Don't you fucking dare. Uh, it's just Betty so Eyes overplayed. Came out in 1981. So uh, next time I'm at a holiday club, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need the it's DJ to, to hook me up. <laughs> next time I'm at a holiday club, I'm gonna need the DJ to hook it up. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I think the the origin of me loathing Betty Davis Eyes the song was that somebody on American Idol oh, no. sang it oh, no. and did it so bad. That I was like, dear God, I hate this song. And then I heard it for real. And I was like, you know what? I actually hate the original. I hate the whole thing. I hate start to finish. This whole oral oral journey is a bad one. How do you like say that word? Oral? Is it oral? That's how I say oral? it as a way to distinguish from oral. <laughs> oral. But I don't know how I don't yeah. know how it's actually pronounced. I think it's like oral. 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 oral? The owl. Let's do it for a couple more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just run this run this through a few more. Can we do times. categories now? I have one other wow. thing that I wanted to say, Aww. Matt. Oh, Tierney, come on now. Can you chill? <laughs> You've only been talking for like an hour. Also, we were given She's a strict gone. bedtime by you, and we still got forty five minutes before we get. Yeah, there, but so. I just am tired of talking about Eve. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank God Chris recorded his his commentary because there's so much good stuff in it that we have not even barely talked about. Yeah, it's just, so it's thank not, God. It's not the movie All About Eve. I did enjoy it. It's just that level of focus is just not in my bones today. So Fair enough. I'd much rather talk about Limp Biscuit and whatever crazy despicable wow. me shit that comes up. In case that hasn't been evident from the listener that I cannot stay on a single topic. Oh, anyway, God. go ahead, Matt or Colin, hit us with your uh, so Matt. Final you mentioned take. Well, it's not a hot take. It's just when you were saying you were talking about final. how. Oh yeah, and it's not final either. We can certainly keep talking about the movie that we're here to talk about. <laughs> we don't need to wrap up the conversation when we spent forty minutes talking about Betty Davis eyes and Minion. <laughs> Like, wow. Okay, fine. <laughs> this movie is on many people's top list. It is, this is the an number 211 cinema. film on the uh, Sight and Sound list. Do you know what else is See? the number 211 film on Sight and Sound list? Suspiria. My butthole. <laughs> is that a Lars von Trier? <laughs> oh, shit. It's a Cronenberg. <laughs> Pink Flamingos, what? Writers of the Lost Ark. Man, there's so many good ones at 211. What a wow. fun tie. <laughs> yes, I am just going to just keep going. <laughs> just gonna... um, so, Matt, you, you were saying that, like... for back pain? If you lick my bottle. 
so is it true is it true that you punched the one are you sure that you punched Darren? i'm gonna masturbate tonight <laughs> thinking about you <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Matt, you were talking earlier about how yes. Karen has this, like, uh-huh. level of, like, responsibility nice. for all these bad things that happen, right? Like, it, it literally uh-huh. is her fault, right? Yeah. Like, she's the one who brings the Eve into their lives. She Like, all this, like, she's the one who, like, fucks with the gas in the car, all of this stuff. Yeah, what an asshole. She's such an asshole. But, so my question is, like, I, I or I guess not necessarily my question, it's just, like, my argument to you would be, like, yeah, this wasn't necessarily what she had in mind, but I would argue that her doing all those things led to a happy ending for all the characters that we actually care about and bad endings for... Eve, who I don't actually care about, and to a, lesser, to a lesser extent, Addison, who I definitely don't care about, but, like, whatever, he can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. But, like, uh, Bill and Margot were, like, dating, but, like, not really doing, you know, they were just kind of, like, doing whatever the fuck they were mm-hmm. doing, but then they both ended up, like, happily married and in love, and she's, like, yeah. accepting of her lot in life now. She understands that she's no longer the hot young actress so she's like she and she's made peace with that and she's gonna live her life in like a way that makes her much happier and then um karen and her husband like the playwright like they were never really like they they never really had many issues like they seemed like they were like happily married throughout the entire time but now they just get to have their friends and so like yes you're right it is technically all karen's fault but like the side effect of that is that all of like it all ends up being a happy ending for the most part and then eve is just like oh you're just trapped in this cycle but you brought it on yourself so i don't feel bad for you i guess so but she's just so stupid (laughs) and gullible for so much we're like even the conversation that she's having with eve when eve is like oh i want to apologize and margo is like fuck that i'm not going to talk to her and and karen's like okay fine it's my fault i'll go talk to her even in that conversation, she, like, starts to get looped in to Eve's game until Eve is like, can you tell, like, I want the part next spring. And she's like, oh, all this was to get me to get you that part. And it's like, yeah, duh. Like, st- come on. Have some wits about you. Like, stop letting this this podunk girl from the middle of nowhere get one over on you. Like, she's nobody. And you're friends with Margo. She's Margaret, nobody. A star. She's nobody. Fucking nobody. Karen, she's nobody. <laughs> you gotta support Margo. Um, there were also, like, Shades of Sunset Boulevard, um, which uh, is another old movie that I've seen. And I think I like this one more. Um, but, yeah, the idea of, like, aging out of Hollywood, like you said, was also in Babylon. But anyway, to get to your actual question, I think... It's all dumb luck that Karen ends up, you know, not ruining everyone's lives. Because for all, oh, no, a darker version of this movie, it is dumb. Margo would have, sure. right? And a darker version of this movie, Margo would have killed herself. Bill would have cheated. Everything would have gone wrong, God. and then Eve would have been like, "But I'm a star," and it would have been like, "Yeah, but at what cost?" And this one, it's like you know, a fairly happy ending. But Margo's still pissed. Which also, I do want to devote just a, a nugget of time. 
to Betty Davis's eye acting of like her expressions in this movie. Bum, 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 are... bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Uh, but like really it makes sense that you would write a song about it because her eyes are like if i feel like evil uh evil characters in disney movies from like this period like the 50s were drawn with betty davis's eyes in mind whenever they would like flare up and Mm. be like all white and like pupil but otherwise be like half-lidded exactly but i mean they're such expressive eyes that like I think what makes that opening uh, chunk so rich uh, and fun, despite it being kind of a, you know, a framing device that, you know, you said, whatever. Uh, But, like, her expressions in that communicate so much about what the relationship is between her and Eve. Because it's not just jealousy. It is, like, the rage of betrayal Mm -hmm. of, like, this, like, rich, deep hatred for this usurper. Uh, and when everyone else is clapping and she's just looking like you little fucking, uh, I wish I could eat your head. Uh, it's such a, it's, it's a really great performance. I think Betty Davis is probably the standout of the movie. She's so um, fucking good in this movie. Yeah. She's given so much to do and she like really crushes it in a way that, you know, like in a way we that women saying, don't do. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Women no, never do. I was gonna, all women are I was bad at say, acting and all other things. You heard it here first, everyone. I didn't say it. Go fuck yourself. No, Tierney's so mad. Uh, no, but I was going to say, in a way that, like, Cary Grant in His Girl Friday was kind of like, Cary Grant is a name that, like, you hear all the time. And when watching his performance, I was like, Why? I don't really think this is good acting. I think yeah. this is just rapid fire talking. We're watching Betty Davis. I was like, oh, I absolutely understand why she had such a career. Like, yeah. she is and she's like a star of that time certainly and i think like as we talked about kind of getting in the headspace of like seeing it for like seeing something like this at the time uh i think she like embodies a lot of the best qualities of this era of acting um where it is dramatic but it's very deeply like felt by the character like the motivation behind the lines is always very present where it's not just reading dialogue and i think the chemistry she has well yeah but i think like a lot of other actors are not necessarily doing the work that betty davis is doing uh and i think that's what makes her so she's actually acting it's not just recitation which is what Mm -hmm. right and yeah and i think like even ann baxter who i think is very good in this i think it's very night and day between good eve and bad eve like Mm -hmm. as soon as she's bad eve it's like I'm going to take everything from her. And you're like, all right, this is like so played up. The scene where she's like trying to get Bill to cheat on. I mean, they're not together, but like she's trying to right. get with Bill. Uh, is just like, whoa. <laughs> she's like a super villain. Like, yeah. She's so big. Whereas like Margot feels like, in, even in her most dram- overdramatic or like, you know, embellished kind of moments, I think it all is like, well, yeah, but this is that character. Like this is Margot as a character lives this way and this is just who she is Mm -hmm. and in her softer moments i think it's very endearing to see her and be like oh yeah like it is kind of all huff and puff when you need to like be big but you know in the actual moments where you're just alone with bill it's actually like really really beautiful chemistry i think between the two of them too Mm -hmm. with like a lot of history that's just alluded to by body language or by the way that she softens around bill 
or pushes him away. Like, uh, also, I mean, the other thing I just want to briefly talk about too is like the audition scene, which is kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back and kind of gives uh, Eve that opportunity to rise up as fast as she does. But like her coming, like Margot coming in and like immediately throwing around the accusations of like this was all like you all planned this you wanted to kick me out like this is all to get eve where you want her to be and they're like oh there's nothing of the sort but it's like she's right she does she's like reading the situation accurately and is justified in feeling this slight of these <clears throat> men who are pushing her out because obviously like they mentioned in the movie like the character in this next play is written for a younger actress Mm -hmm. and so to them it's like oh we've never heard our lines said just like i wrote them and it's like you shitheads like (laughs) this is very purposefully aging like ageism Mm -hmm. you're you are doing exactly what she's afraid of and the only person who's like kind of behind her the whole time and logical is bill where he's kind of like this isn't a plan to get you out like this is just what is happening but like I am not doing this to like hurt you. This is mm-hmm. this is just how it is. Like we're not doing it as like this kind of plan against you. But um yeah, anyway, that scene I thought was really good too and really pays off a lot of that like slow building treachery that Eve has uh to the point where like, oh yeah, what a what a solid plan for Eve to get everything she wants by getting close enough to steal it. I do think uh, to go back to, you know, like I said, I don't normally like the that particular kind of framing device. I do think that this movie is really effective in like when we do get back to that, like, you know, you you see all of them just like very not interested in whatever that guy's saying at the beginning, knowing that Eve is about to win this award. And so when we get back to that, we've like, oh, okay. I feel like we actually got a, like a, like to your point, Matt, you're always like, you want mm-hmm. setups and payoffs. Like, I feel like that was paid off really well. When you finally get to the scene where they're like, okay, now she's actually getting her award and we get to see all of them just, like, not recognize her at all. And just, like, basically as soon as she's done, like, Eve is done talking, they just, like, get up and leave, like, without talking mm-hmm. to her. It's like, okay, yeah, no, that they definitely earned that that particular um, payoff. Uh, one thing, I think this is the poster that's in your apartment, um, but I was... this The poster is does such a bad job of like marketing this movie (laughs) i have no idea what the movie is based on bizarre and the tagline on the poster is it's all about women dot 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 and their men exclamation point i was like what not really is it is that what this movie (laughs) is all about (laughs) (laughs) yeah if anything it should be like eve brought the fruit and everyone took a bite or something like that or like Get out of the way, fuckers. Here comes Eve, the hottest new <laughs> trick in town. Or something. I, don't I think know. That, that probably is the best, best tagline they should have gone with. Get out of the way, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't exactly meet motion picture standards at this time. Do you understand that? It's, I don't really know what this profanity is on this poster. Um uh okay i mean i guess right now i think it'd be a good time uh to break away to our pre-recorded uh commentary by uh friend of the pod guest of the pod chris also my roommate of the what um, of the pod sorry yeah (laughs) 
anyway. Hey, Matt, Tierney, and Colin, friend of the pop, Chris Osmondorf here. As listeners may or may not know, I was just on a few episodes ago to talk about Under the Silver Lake. So as much as I wanted to beg Matt to have me on again, when I heard about the latest film you were doing, I resisted that urge so you could have a discussion without me fanboying out yet again, basically. That said, I appreciate you being kind enough to let me at least share my thoughts about this movie, because it truly is one of my favorite films of all time. And that film, of course, is Skinnamarink. JK, let's never talk about Skinnamarink ever again. Obviously, that film is all about Eve. This is Colin's pick, and it's interesting to me that of all the films from the 1950s you could have discussed on the show, you went with this one. It's easy to look down on movies from this era as outdated or stodgy, and to a certain extent, that attitude isn't wrong. But for me, the golden age of Hollywood cinema doesn't get more golden than the 50s. You've got classic comedies like Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot, great dramas like Sidney Lumet's Twelve Angry Men, genre-defining noirs like Nicholas Ray's In a Lonely Place, Prussian satires like Elie Kazan's A Face in the Crowd, probably the single best Western ever made in John Ford's Searchers, and the single best musical ever made in Stanley Donen and Gene Kelly's Singing in the Rain, not to mention our boy Stanley Kubrick starting his career with the heist movie The Killing and the World War II film Paths of Glory. And there's so many other great American and non-American films from the decade that I could literally go on all day. But you didn't pick any of those because Colin has widely decided to limit himself to the very specific category of criterion films he owns and has not already seen. Hence, All About Eve. To me, you kind of can't talk about this movie without mentioning another film that came out the same year it was released. And that film is the uh, from the aforementioned Billy Wilder, Sunset Boulevard. Wilder's probably my second favorite American director ever next to Kubrick, and Sunset Boulevard was the movie of his that I first fell in love with. It's a black comedy about the destructive nature of Hollywood, featuring great performances, some unforgettable shots, and my pick for the greatest screenplay ever written. And I'll be honest, when I found out it lost out to All About Eve in the 1951 Best Picture race, I couldn't even comprehend liking another film more. And then I actually watched All About Eve. And the reason to talk about these two movies together is, and again, this is just my opinion, they're the two best American movies about Hollywood or really, in All About Eve's case, about the entertainment industry broadly of all time. Now, I can see why someone wouldn't like this movie because it is old-fashioned in many ways. To use an Aaron Sorkin phrase, it's a lot of people talking in rooms. The way characters speak is very mannered. and You've got that horrible green screenshot late in the film and and there's the sexual politics of the whole thing. I mean, it's right there in the film's tagline. It's all about women, and they're men. But there's also so many ways the movie still remains relevant. For instance, not a single critic has the kind of power Addison DeWitt does in our current media landscape. That element is dated. But the power of predatory men and their ability to make or break careers is sadly still very much a thing. And of course, there's the way the movie depicts the treatment of women in Hollywood and the entertainment industry. How by the time you're 40, your career is already on the downslope, and how women are naturally pitted against each other, largely to keep men in power. And what about the way it predicts our obsession with celebrity? Eve studies Margot not unlike the way influencers study other influencers, not only as fans, but as templates for their own success. I think it's all right there in the opening scene, where you get this long voiceover speech from theater critic Addison, who is one of my favorite movie characters of all time played in this deliciously, like, benignly evil performance by Oscar winner George Sanders. It breaks almost every rule of modern movie making because other than I think what's an opening either push out or crane shot, it's just static shots of characters as they're being introduced in this very droll way. But the writing is so clever and the performances are so good as you're just focusing on these characters' faces. It's this incredibly simplistic yet elegant way of setting the tone and establishing the world here, giving us just enough, but never too much. 
And the movie is packed with moments like this. Uh, when we were watching it, Matt pointed out this incredible shot during the party scene where the characters are positioned on the stairs in this way that really cleverly reveals power dynamics. It's these choices from writer-director Joseph L. Mankiewicz, as well as the gorgeous, stark black and white cinematography from Milton Krasner and the score from Alfred Newman that come together to make All About Eve such a sumptuous experience. And we haven't even talked about the cast yet. I mean, obviously I mentioned George Sanders, but you've also got Betty Davis at the height of her powers, somehow lost the Oscar here and lost it again a few years later for a much more unhinged portrait of an actress and whatever happened to Baby Jane. Sorry, I got off topic again, but you should really see that movie if you haven't. It's insane. Speaking of insane, you've also got Ann Baxter here playing the relentlessly conniving yet, I think, sympathetic titular character of Eve. Then there is Celeste Holmes, Karen, the best friend we'd all be so lucky to have, and Thelma Ritter, one of the great Steen Steelers of her era as Birdie. All of those actors were nominated, by the way, and we haven't even mentioned a certain starlet yet named Marilyn Friggin' Monroe. But I guess the other thing that makes All About Eve so endearing to me is its very specific portrait of the entertainment industry that I alluded to earlier. Despite the ways it can feel dated, it also laid the groundwork for everything from Showgirls to Black Swan. More importantly, All About Eve does something that I think Sunset Boulevard doesn't even do. Usually movies about Hollywood and entertainers fall into one of two categories. They're either cynical and bleak like Sunset Boulevard, a movie which basically says this town will take everything from you and then rejoice in your suffering, or you get movies like Sing in the Rain, which suggests that although Hollywood is hard, if you stick at it and make sure to find the right people, it's all worth it and your dreams will come true in the end. All About Eve, and again, this is just my opinion, does something much more complex. Despite being pretty cynical in many ways, it also has a real affection for the things it's poking at here. There is a love for the community at the heart of this movie, and a suggestion that in the end, the only way artists can be happy is to stick together. In that haunting final image of Barbara Rach, another tragic Hollywood figure, look her up, you won't be disappointed, in that image of her holding Eve's award, we get the sense that this is all cyclical. These things happen and repeat themselves, and although the players are perhaps doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past, it's all worth it because in the end, we get this art. <laughs> we get this art and this entertainment. And we need movies and we need plays and we need stories to enrich our lives. And yeah, this business of show is a nasty business, but let's be honest, it's a business we all rely on, too. I think this ambiguity can be found in certain other movies I love, like Damien Chazelle's recent messy and ambitious Babylon. I even think it's kind of there in Under the Silver Lake, but I'm not sure any movie nails this dichotomy quite as well as All About Eve. So I, obviously, I've established by now that I love this movie. Uh, in addition to 2001, it's one of the few movie posters that are hanging on the wall in our apartment. It's more than a few. We have too many movie posters, but I really need to move on now. I've spent so much time talking. I honestly should have probably just guessed it on this episode. I can't wait to hear that. Did you guys love this movie? Did you hate it? Either way, I'm here and I'm just ready to fasten my seatbelt. Hopefully it's not going to be too bumpy of a night. Thanks. There you go, Matt. You you got you got the commentary that you wanted from about this movie. Can Tyranny and I go back to fucking around about the, yeah. the minions now? No. Before I completely really, check out. I'm really excited to see Oh, if, before? <laughs> I'm really excited to see if every movie I choose um just, it just happens in, to fall on in, bad days, Colin. Involves tyranny, just absolutely not giving one single <laughs> solitary fuck. Yeah, she's <laughs> melted in her chair right now. If only you could see it, listener. 
for our listener, I got about four or five hours of sleep. So. But you told us that you ate a couple of cookies, so you were going to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, four or five hours of sleep. Solid. That Four or five hours of sleep is my standard, baby. <laughs> Get to the big leagues and you can handle whatever comes your way. Four or five hours of sleep. A, uh, I don't know. Never forget it. What? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. uh so yes thank you chris for giving us the commentary on this film that matt so desperately wanted um categories i oh my god (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) it's fun to paint you and tierney as the villains of my my picks (laughs) i'm I'm, for this case i'm trying to help us have a really meaningful conversation and i Chris's commentary, I think, brings up a lot of great points about the acting of the movie, about the writing of the movie, about the impact that it's had on cinema, which we've, like, touched on. But I think he puts it really well, and I think he, like, like he says in his commentary, this is one of his all-time favorite movies. So I think, like, I think his impressions of it mean so much, I think, to, like, if we're talking about this movie... We should have somebody who can talk about it with with a lot of authority, which I think uh, I'm appreciative of. What are you trying to say? That commentary. That you talked about Minions several times in this episode. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. It's just the one time. Uh, Dear Santa, define good. (laughs) Also, we once had a listener who said that they liked my tangents, so, you know. Why fix what what's not broken? She said it. So that I've been Matt, trying me, to do. <laughs> give me some tattoo ideas. <laughs> um, I mean, you could get the quote. That's what I've been up. trying to bend do. <laughs> buckle up, bitches! It's gonna be a buckle up, bitches! It's gonna be a bumpy ass night. Uh, or just uh, uh, see Buscemi's eyes. What if you just had? What yeah. if you had a, like a? She's Betty got Steve Buscemi's eyes. Betty Davis's eyes uh, around your nipples, so that your actual, like her oh. actual iris and pupil, were your nipples. <laughs> They'd be so wide set. Yeah, the <laughs> eyes would be so far apart. They wouldn't even look like eyes. Oh, they look like eyes. I oh, guess they, they would look, look like, like eyes. eyes. Sure. <laughs> I guess if they're big enough, like if the whole areola was like the iris, yeah. And the, and, and the, the nipple, nipple is the, the, was the pupil. Pu- yeah. Yeah, I guess the eye, the, like, the rest of the eye with, like, the lid and the white. So, okay, you know, if I'm going to do a pretty good-sized... <laughs> a full chest hat of Betty Davis's face, do I do it with, like, her normal hair throughout most of the movie? Or do I do it with her hair, like, all cut up at the beginning, like, t- held up at the beginning of the movie when she takes her wig off and she looks frightening? Um, uh, I mean, whatever would go best with your chest hair, I yeah. think. <laughs> You'll just have to shave the parts that have her face. Yeah. Or grow it out. Yeah, or grow out so that it's longer and you can kind of have that same wig quality. <laughs> Get some extensions. Uh, um, I Yeah, I can't think of any other ones, really, uh, <laughs> as far as, like, tattoo ideas. Besides, besides, like, the poster, which is just couples with arrows. Just arrows them. pointing to them? Just bouncing arrows. <laughs> which really mean, isn't anything. You Nobody really swaps partners in this movie. My, I mean, Eve tries. 
to her credit. She certainly does. She certainly does. <laughs> also in the poster, I really can't tell who's who. That's how confusing. That's how I felt in the movie. <laughs> I think that that's a fair criticism of uh, Karen's husband, Lloyd, the playwright. Very forgettable. Totally forgettable. He is a Just nothing. a white man. <laughs> Just a white man. <laughs> Lloyd is even like Just... white man. <laughs> They're like, what is the name of this white man? And they're like, Lloyd? I don't, I don't know. know. Lloyd? And they're yes, like, fucking, okay. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Which, honestly, Karen? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> she is a white lady, for sure. She's a white woman. <laughs> um, all right, what's the next category? Would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? Sure. I think I would. Yeah, I think this is. I think for the for what we ask for in, as the criteria, I, I think this fits perfectly. I do it's, think it's, it's a little totally... on the long end for an. I I I do think that this sure. movie probably it could have been cut down a little bit. Uh, it's like two hours and twenty minutes. I feel like there's a good two hour version like, in there. As if I didn't text you and say I can't wait for Colin to hate this movie. <laughs> it's approximately two hours and twenty minutes. You know exactly how long it is. Don't give me that. <laughs> it's, it's two hours and eighteen minutes long. Yeah. I think as soon as Eve gets some control, I think things kind of start getting slow. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a little bit of like, you know, extra fat on the bone. I do think it picks back up right at the end, though. And I do think that the ending is like actually fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, the would you guys spend time on this film set? Sure. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I think. It, yeah. I think Only we talked a lot. No, go ahead. I was going to make a joke about how it's black and white and say only if I get to lose all the pigmentation first <laughs> and become a black and white person. Like the take on me video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to transform. <laughs> Before we saw the world in color. I would like to know what colors they're wearing in this movie. I would think Maybe that's why I don't like black and white movies so much because I'm constantly wondering what colors they're wearing. I feel like Eve uh, and Margot have got some fun colors on their dresses. Yeah, some we'll purple, never know. some greens. No one could ever know. You mean they could? I mean, they could just be wearing garbage, and you'd have no idea. It's true. Well, I think yeah. Like um, their outfits could horribly clash. <clears throat> Which character would you want to play? Ooh, this is a good one for this one. There actually are a lot of good choices, yeah. I would Probably say. Margo. Um, I think I like the character of Bill as a character and as a person most. Mm -hmm. I think I would have the most fun with Addison. That's what I, I, was, think I, would... I was thinking Addison, too. I'll be Bill. You could be Addison. Addison, just like a slimy little asshole. Just you know, like a puppet master. Yeah, really, really comes out at the end. You're just like, oh fuck. <laughs> um, and then the also very oh. similar to Babylon too. He's very much like the Gene Smart character in Babylon, mm -hmm. of like make or break reviews that ruin people's lives <laughs> and like cause them to spiral <laughs> into depression. <laughs> Worked out great for Eve. Didn't work out so great for Brad Pitt. Spoiler no. for Babylon. <laughs> Some of us haven't seen yeah. it yet. Well, Brad Pitt eats a snake. Yeah, and that's that's how his character 
Babylon comes to terms. Fucking rules so much. I love it. <laughs> just, Are we? We're not done. I just <laughs> I saw an opportunity to to sing the praises yeah. of Babylon again, and I'm never gonna pass that up. Uh, I just want tangents when they can be tangents. Not now. I just I feel like we. Never mind. <laughs> The, I just uh, think sometimes when we, when we're talking I about the movie, we should free. talk about the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Go ahead. All right. Uh, the the email that I, the link that I sent you guys was fasten your headphones. It's going to be a bumpy pop. Uh, yeah. The fun joke is that <laughs> when Tierney jumped on the Zoom call. She was like, "What is that?" <laughs> she just did not remember. Like a very iconic line from this movie. <laughs> Because it's so iconic, because it's so ubiquitous yeah. in pop culture that it is kind of like, why did you pick that for this? But no, it's appropriate. Um, I think that's the last category other than Oscars. So this movie was nominated for, an, at the time, and still, I guess, technically, record 14 Academy Awards. Wow. Which has only been done by three movies. Titanic. Do you know which movies? 14? Lord of the Rings. Titanic is the King. No, no, because that was like eleven or twelve, I think. Um, Lord of the Rings tied for most wins, but Lord of the Rings did not mm. tie for most nominations. I don't, I don't know if I could name La La Land. Ugh. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> of course, of course, Hollywood loves itself. Hollywood would Truly. suck its own dick if it could. I mean, it is funny that all about Eve and La La Land are both about the industry, and they're like sensational. A record amount of nominations. I do think that uh, there was the line uh, in the guy. Like, so, like, the, the the movie starts with Addison's voiceover, and he's like, yeah, this guy's just kind of talking. You could ignore most of it. But when you do finally pick up with what the guy's speech actually is, he's, like, talking about this, like, Sarah Siddons Award while mm-hmm. also bad-mouthing other actual awards. Like, he doesn't specifically call out the Oscars, oh. but he's, like, very clearly talking about the Oscars, and yet the Oscars were like, yes, all of the awards, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was nominated for 14, uh, and it won Man. six. What, what do we think it won? Best Supporting Actress for Birdie. Nope. That is the so that's I think Probably actor part of, actress writing director costume. Uh, so it was nominated for four different women were nominated, which still is the record. There were two for best actress, um, and Baxter and the women. Davis, and their men. And then the woman who plays Karen and Birdie both got nominated for best supporting. None of them won, mm. but the guy who plays uh, George Sanders or the guy who plays um, Addison did win George Sanders. <laughs> yes. so all four women didn't win the leads of the movie the leads of the movie did not win uh it is all about the women and their men and primarily their men apparently I, i'm sure that it was just some like votes canceling out situation um best picture best director uh best screenplay best costume design black and white category and best sound recording mm. but it was also nominated mm. for cinematography Black and white. Uh, set decoration slash art decoration um, and editing and score. So, yeah, to like the reason why. So, like, Lord of the Rings didn't have any acting nominations 
And I feel like it could have, mm. like, movies have to have at least, they need to have, like, something from everywhere to get that number of nominations. Yeah. What can you see? Oh. On the horizon! God bless. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm, having not seen, I don't think, anything else that was nominated for those Academy Awards, that year's Academy Awards, I feel good about the Oscars choices there. Sure. Yeah. Matt, uh, it was also Sunset Boulevard, another old movie that you've apparently seen, was nominated for Best Picture that year. Did it win? No. No, because All About Eve won. Oh, congratulations, All About Eve. I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) All right, what have you guys been up to lately? It's been a while since we recorded, so I need a play-by-play of every single thing you've (laughs) done. I can go. Tierney, you've had so many that you wanted to talk about. I assume you're not going to talk about all of them. Sorry for depriving you by having That's what a crazy you want to think. Oh, shit. Uh, do it. I'm ready. Whoa. I'm not. Wow. I'm going to mention them all, but I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to necessarily talk a whole lot about all of them. Um, so I read Let My People Go Surfing, which is the Yvonne Schwinard, founder of Patagonia, uh, story. And I just, uh, I told mm. Matt this already, but, uh, He's, like, founded Patagonia, and the rest of the people who work for him were what he called dirtbag itinerant climbers and outdoor enthusiasts. And I was like, uh, these are my people. They all love the environment. They hate capitalism. And it, and not the L.A. scene from Under the Silver Lake. Uh, just, like, a, a different type of dirtbag. Um, I finished All Creatures Great and Small uh, season, I think it's season two. Or three on, uh, so sorry, my dog just jumped off my legs, uh, on BBC, uh, it was a delight. I watched White Noise, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, I would rank it probably my number three, Evolve 2022. I thought it was original, uh, hilarious, great writing, phenomenal performances, and beginning to end, a delight. Interesting. Um, I must not have seen the same third act that you saw, because the third act I saw sucked ass. Are you talking about when she's afraid of dying? Because that's hilarious. Of... The whole, like, uh, when he... When... I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it. <clears throat> All right. I won't say watch anything. The, watch, the first, watch the first, like, hour, hour and 20, then you can jump out okay. after that. It's but a, different, it's a for... different type of humor, but it's still very funny. <laughs> come back in for the, the end credits sequence. Uh, it is the second movie that uh, What's-His-Face has been a part of that ends with a uh, uh, grocery store dance party. Um, mm. And by his name, his name, his name, what's his name? The director? Bombay. Thank oh, you. Oh, no, Bombak. Just completely <laughs> blanking on it. I was uh, like Adam Driver, no, Bombak, <laughs> Don Cheel. <laughs> I thought it was so good. I can't wait to watch it again, and I want to read the book. Uh, but it was like... All of it was up there. It's like dark, absurd humor. I was like, give me more of this. Um, I watched Tar. I thought it was fine. No. Uh, I thought the cinematography was great, but I thought that Kate Blanchett's wife carries that movie. Without her, it would... Anything Kate Blanchett's doing wouldn't even matter, I don't think. Uh, But I don't know. I just thought it wasn't like a... What? 
Mm-hmm. Just the the way Matt's eyes just totally lit up when you <laughs> bad mouthing Tar. <laughs> I don't think that there's really anything original to it, if I'm honest, to the story anyway. So that's what I felt. And I, Jim knows all of this. And I was like, I have not said anything because I want to tell them live on air. And he's like, please don't. I want to hear their reactions. <laughs> I'm pissed. Really? Like, I'm certified pissed. No, I'm not that bad. But I do think it's like a, a very bold, unique storytelling style in the way that it, it? unfurls the information to you. And I think also starting that- with that interview is not like other movies i think there's a lot that this is doing that is not like other movies and the interview the scene was good element, and the gothic horror elements that are introduced throughout i think are more but there's no payoff right but maybe but that, that's not maybe good the ending writing. is the payoff but that might be the ending no. the ending might itself be the payoff to all of the previous kind of like uh unexplained psychosis that you've seen uh, I was talking with Jim. I'm a big fan of tangents, but tangents need to uh, have some purpose to the story. And they just never resolved in any way. And it left, like, there's a difference between, um, <clears throat> like, After Sun, which I would say is probably is another one I watched. It was uh, yeah. probably the best movie of the year. And that has God, an unresolved yeah. ending. Banshees of Inisherin also has an unresolved ending where you can get interpretations, but they don't tell you what's going to happen. Whereas Tar was just like, oh, I'm left with this like shredded piece of yarn full of loose ends. As opposed to Banshees, you're like, oh, this is ambiguous as to what's next. After Sun, you're like, this is ambiguous, but like pretty sure this is what's going to happen. Whereas Tar was just like, we didn't need all that. <laughs> we don't have to agree. Yeah, I was going to no, say. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I do, I uh, I thought Kate Blanchard was great, but her wife, I think, carried that movie personally. Um, She's got a lot of eye acting going on. A lot of like yeah. small looks where yeah. you're like, I know exactly what you're thinking. Every, <laughs> and, if, and the reason I say that is everything Lydia Tarr does has no gravity without her wife. Hmm. Sure. Mm. And that's and why I do th- I, it would not be yeah. the same movie if it wasn't for her. That's fair. And I would also, I mean, I agree with you that there are a lot of loose ends. I think that's part of the appeal that Tar had with me was mm-hmm. that it's like, the fuck is going on with her? Like, what is really happening with this, with Lydia Tar? Yeah. Um, but I can, but I can agree that like, introducing them and not really explaining why they're happening or what it means can certainly feel um unfinished Mm -hmm. or half half baked uh so i can understand how you would come away like that i also like some of its personal taste i don't really care to necessarily watch another movie about a narcissist they're annoying enough to deal with in real life it's not something and that's where like no, nothing she did in that movie was I not assuming was going to happen. Like, there was, at no point was yeah. I surprised. Because I'm like, this is the a... natural course that this story mm-hmm. takes. Right. I think it's interesting to think of a reality where Reynolds Woodcock existed prior to Lydia Tarr mm-hmm. in the present day. But I do think Phantom Thread <laughs> and Tarr, while 
they could be thematically sister movies. I think to your point, Phantom Thread is about meeting your match, like about getting bested by somebody who knows how to play you and then continuing to play that game. Whereas Tar is about, yeah, the spiral of a narcissist and like the the debris they leave in their wake mm-hmm. versus I think, and that's maybe the difference, is that Tar is kind of about the destruction of an empire. And I think Phantom Thread is about the creation of a union that makes both of them more whole and more complete. And so they're kind of operating with different purposes of how they use narcissists to, uh, I don't know, comment on perfectionism. I would say that Reynolds Woodcock, if if that's the like route you're going to take, I would say that he, the the movie is not about him being a, mar- a narcissist. The movie is about him no longer being a narcissist. Versus right, exactly. This mm-hmm. is just it's about yeah. Him, him meeting his match and learning that it's not all about him. Right. And that he doesn't want it that way. And I think Tar And is he loves her, like, which you can't love right. stuff. Like, you can't... If you're a narcissist, you're not fully capable of that. And that's sort of where I'm like, this is like... it To me, it just seems two-dimensional because I think that, like, <laughs> every narcissist is the same. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know how that story's gonna go. And... I don't know. I just don't care for it. Anyway, um, After Sun, balled my ass out, loved it. Uh, watched Banshees again. Uh, I wa- I read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. I thought it was great. Well, I listened to the audiobook, but um, I watched You People. I started half of it when I was with Matt, and then I finished the other half on Friday. Uh, Jonah Hill's hair. No me gusta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your review just said Jonah Hill's hair, but I was like, I don't think it's good. I don't know. No. Nope. <laughs> that was you. clearly, uh, do you know what that was? Was I got distracted and then just hit done. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I watched uh, on, <laughs> on Colleen Kewen, uh The Quiet Girl, which I'd first heard about um, this fall. People were like, oh, it's really good. It's one of the best movies of the year, blah, blah, blah. And so I added it to my list. And then... I asked, this is a quick story. I just find it very funny. I asked my sister if she wanted to watch and she was like, oh, let me see what it's about. She read the the synopsis to me out loud and I thought to myself, man, that sounds a lot like uh, Foster by Claire Keegan. And I was like, immediately was like, have you read that yet? I recommended it to her like ages ago. And she's like, no, I'm still on the wait list. Uh, Fast forward two hours, I go to sit down to watch it. And then the titles are all coming through and then it says based on strike foster by claire keegan yeah there it is <laughs> and i was like oh my god um but uh anyway this year That's i would fun. say that the irish are making just absolutely devastating stories about parents told through the eyes of children through after sun mm-hmm. and this uh book slash movie book is better but uh they get me every time anyway that's all i've been up to cute Matt, do you, you want to go? go I, I can go. I, I haven't been up to too much. Uh, <laughs> oh, one quick sidebar uh, that I thought of just now. Um, when they go to the in in All About Eve, the movie that we ostensibly mm-hmm. talked about, but mostly talked about other stuff. Um, when they go to the airport, <laughs> and Eve is like, "I'll take care of this stuff here and meet you at the gate." 
I was like, that's yeah. a weird thing, but I guess whatever. Like, you know, pre-9-11, I guess that was more okay. But then, like, meeting them at the gate was literally just, like, around the corner and down a pretty short hallway. <laughs> yeah. Like... And, you're, and you're basically on the plane. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. How uh, times have changed. As somebody who has done a lot of flying in a very short amount of time recently, I was like, oh, this is not what it's like now. <laughs> yeah, not even. Um... In terms of movies, I haven't watched too much uh, because of the aforementioned traveling. Uh, I did watch The Sea Beast, which was, uh, it's on Netflix. Mm. It's nominated for Best Animated. Um, I thought it was pretty cute. Uh, I watched Fire of Love, which is the documentary about the volcanologists um, that I really wanted to see on a big screen and just was not able to catch it last year. really fascinating some of the photography in that movie of like actual live volcano eruptions is like mind-blowing um would recommend and then uh tyranny you'd be very proud of me um i i am a reading boy now um i read books now um wow (laughs) i've read two books already this year and i'm in the middle of well not in the middle i'm about a third of the way into a third book um but i read sea of tranquility which is the new Emily John- St. John Mandel novel. She wrote um, Station Eleven, and among other things. Um, loved it. Very good. Very fast read. Um, I think it's only like 200-ish pages. Um, but it's like really fun, weird kind of, sp- I think it's speculative sci-fi. Um, mm. Really dug that. And then I read um, Project Hail Mary, which is Andy Weir's new book, um, a guy who wrote The Martian. Um, and it's like the premise of the, the novel is like, uh, somebody just wakes up on, uh, like in a spaceship in a different, like a human wakes up in a spaceship in a different solar system and has no memory of how he got there. And so like the, (laughs) the book tells like two different, like parallel storylines. So one is like him in the present day, like, figuring out what he needs to do, and then they're, like, flashbacks to, like, what got him to this point. Um, and I, I, in case, I don't know if either of you will read it, but apparently it's gonna be a movie starring Ryan Gosling, so, like, maybe you'll see that. Mm. So, in case that movie actually does come to fruition, I won't spoil anything, but I will just say that there is a character who is introduced at some point, uh, in the story, and I fell in love with this character (laughs) so i am very 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 excited to potentially spend more time with that character in movie format emma stone yeah is it emma stone i'm not gonna spoil anything i literally just said i'm not gonna spoil anything i think it might be emma stone it's just just happens to show up in this movie who says no yeah yeah emma stone it must be so hard to write that sort of thing it's wild um it's like super like all of his books are like pretty science heavy but this one is like really science heavy um like there's a like the main character you find out is is a former science teacher um who has like a phd in some sort of molecular biology or something um and so there's like a lot of like segments of the book that are just like super heavy science Mm. (laughs) which like i found interesting um very curious to see how they like translate that to a screen but that's not my problem uh hopefully just exposition yeah (laughs) just like (laughs) um and then i uh i'm I'm in the middle of uh devil in the white city 
Oh, which... you really are a reading boy. Yeah, yeah. what a boy of reads. Uh, Have you read that one before? I've never read it. I've tried so Ooh. many times. I've tried so many times. Because like... the architecture stuff is boring. <laughs> yeah. We all know. Alex it. and I, you when skip Alex ahead. read it, when Alex read it, we were talking about it. She was like, yeah, some of the architecture stuff is boring. And I'm kind of like, get back to the murder stuff. And I'm like, the problem with the book is that you're constantly like, come on, give us more murders. And then you're like, oh, this is a real story. Yeah. So I shouldn't be wishing for more real deaths. But the ar- I found the architecture stuff very interesting, and I was even like, all right, what about that guy who's murdering people at that hotel? When are we going to get back to his story? Yeah, or like the crazy architecture of that hotel. Yeah. Right. Trap doors and fucking gas yeah. hoses. Yeah, you're like, wait a second. I thought that I was going to get half architecture, half murder. Don't but mix your like architecture these... with my murder. Like, Where's the these devil? There's a lot of white city. columns looking out onto Lake Michigan. And it's like, back to murder, please. Yeah. Where's that devil? Uh, I will say I am enjoying both parts of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm only like 100 pages in. So, But I've, the, the farthest I've ever made it into this book before was like 20 pages in so i'm calling it a win so far i listened to it so i can't relate and then just Um, skipped it (laughs) and then the only other thing that i want to shout out is that um been watching the last of us which i think i've mentioned on our recordings before but i don't think we had a chance to talk about the the third episode of the last of us Mm -hmm. is that yeah, which is, like, jerker. one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my entire life. Just, like, ugly crying. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but, like, people saying it's the best thing they've ever seen. I'm like, have you seen other things? I said <laughs> one of, fuck you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just, it, the, the praise is so hyperbolic that even I'm kind of like, oh, wow. I this just, has a, I just a big I think that it's, like, a really big swing for, like, a show that's advertised as being, like, a zombie TV show. Absolutely. In the third episode to basically not give you any zombies and spend the entire episode telling a story that's about two characters who you meet in that episode and are never going to interact with again. Um, it's like it's a wild swing. And the fact that it works so well is incredible. Like you get 45 yeah. minutes with these characters. And by the end of that 45 minutes with those two characters, I was like a puddle on the floor. So I did I did sob repeatedly in Tierney's Airbnb she was staying at <laughs> while I was visiting her in San Diego, just weeping in the dark, choking back tears. Yeah. So you that I wouldn't just wake cried. Up. No, I just bit my arm so that I wouldn't screech in, in Also for in our listener tragedy. I was asleep. Yeah. Very asleep. <laughs> I texted Matt and I was like when are you going to watch this? There's like a very specific thing that I'm not going to spoil for a listener, but I was like, there's a very specific thing that I want you to experience unspoiled. And so I really wanted Matt. I was like, you don't have to watch it live, but I was like, I think you should try and watch it as soon as you can before this particular piece of Intel gets out on the internet. And he was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it. I'm staying at Tierney's Airbnb. <laughs> so then I woke up the next morning to text from Matt at like 1am to be fair, 1am, mountain time so like midnight uh pacific and i was like oh tierney was definitely asleep like he definitely waited yeah. until she went to bed and then pretty just... sure went to bed at like nine yeah yeah and that was late <laughs> but yeah. yeah i'm really um, really enjoying the show and uh 
once I get back to my to Denver for like an extended period of time, I plan on replaying the games, and I cannot wait for it. Lovely. Um, I'm gonna rapid fire through some TV and movies that I've watched. Uh, keeping up on SNL, I think this season has been very funny. Uh, so if you're not watching SNL, I think now's the time. It's like it's a pretty good season and pretty good cast. Um, I've continued playing Breath of the Wild. I'm very deep in it. Uh, I've got dope ass armor now and feel like a true god king. So <laughs> I'm having a great time. Um, I watched the first episode of two different shows, one with Tierney. Uh, yeah. We watched the first episode of Enlightened, the Mike oh, White, yeah. uh, Laura Dern, Lorna Dune show. Thank you for the reminder Why? to continue Why? watching that. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Um, and then I also watched with Freddie the first episode of the Australian Kath and Kim. Uh, spoiler alert, it's funny as hell. And I guess it's like overplayed in Australia. Like everybody knows about Kath and Kim in Australia. Um, and it makes sense because it's like it's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, it's even pretty good. It's like from two thousand one, it's so old, but honestly, it it works. Um, I watched a couple more episodes of that animated Tales of the Jedi show on Disney Plus. It's pretty dark, but pretty good. Um, very short episodes, like ten minute episodes, in and out. They're not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. Uh, I'm rewatching Veep. But I jumped in at season two because I was Hell like, yeah. I've seen season one and jumped right into season two. And God, is it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm this is to music to my ears, Matt, because you've always complained about how mean it is. <laughs> it is. And I think later seasons, they certainly get mean. And I think when Ianucci's gone. Yeah, I was going to say, um, when Ianucci leaves, it's like, it Mandel's... stops being like playful mean. And it's just like actually yeah. like aggressive mean. And it's not Can quite I get an as fun of a hang. Okie dokie, Annie Oakley. <laughs> gonna shove it so far up his ass that you're gonna hope the only thing they find is more cancer <laughs> the one the one joke that i sent to adrian uh was when she's selena's trying to get through all the senators swearing in so that she can make it <laughs> to the like war briefing and she goes what in the hell are you doing here <laughs> but like her she sees somebody and like her reaction is just perfect. It, what in the good God are you doing? <laughs> it's so funny. Um, uh, I, I have a recommendation show. for both of you, but I think mostly Tierney. Okay. If you have not heard of Kunk on Earth. I have. Uh, yeah. It's on, yeah, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie is the lo- loudest evangelist for it, but I also agree it is very funny, very sharp. Yeah. Uh, very surprising with what the punchlines are and just like very solid comedic writing and you can binge it all it's pretty short episodes and there's only six of them so i forgot i've watched a couple (laughs) oh good that actress is kunk on earth kunk Kunk on earth she played yeah it's like like with a t with a k exactly yeah (laughs) you could say it we wouldn't uh yeah, but she plays <laughs> she plays Philomena Kunk, who's kind of like a Rick Steves like tour guide of the world, but she's going through like the anthropological history. Uh, but oh, she's an idiot. So I've heard of everything's wrong. It's so I've heard funny. Of, yeah. yeah, somebody I just recently somebody mentioned it to me and I like I had a thought like, oh I should put that on my list and then forgot to put it on my list. So thank you for bringing it up. 
Yeah. I think I sent the two of you guys a clip of hers from like a month ago uh, oh. with just the caption of this girl is in several merman shows and she's hilarious in everything she's in. And you guys clearly just like, I'm not even going to open this. Yeah, I truly don't even remember that. She's in uh, Motherland, <laughs> which is incredible. Oh. She's incredible in Motherland. And then she's also in Frayed. She plays, speaking of Australia, she plays a secretary who... Uh, it's just everything she's in. A part of it is her delivery, but it just she makes me laugh so much. Yeah, I, yeah. quick really sidebar. Excellent delivery. I only watch TikToks that you send to me, Tierney. So uh, I basically was just ignoring any video you sent to me in in January when you took a self imposed TikTok hiatus. But now you're back, and I'm I'm here for it. All right. Wow. Yeah, I guess I've been watching TikTok again. <laughs> but yes, Conk on Earth. Awesome. So glad you're watching. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then I saw three movies, three new movies. Mm -hmm. um, And I would say the overall review is that I found all of them fairly mediocre. Is Um, Plane as dumb as it looks like it is? No, I did not see Plane. Oh, boo! Duh! Duh, I'm not going to see Plane. (laughs) But I did see You People. uh, And about 20 minutes in, I was like, does anyone else notice that every scene so far has been people sitting and talking Oh my God! From you're one right. one location to the next, it's literally just like sitting at a restaurant, sitting in a living room, sitting recording a podcast, sitting at a restaurant, sitting yeah. at a dining room table, sitting at a, it's sitting like, in a car. Okay, let's get up and walk somewhere. Like let's move. It sounds like anywhere. Yeah, it sounds like a very COVID-friendly production. <laughs> Extremely, uh, and just overall, I found it kind of surface and uh, tonally couldn't quite get on board with what it was what if it was was it com, com, uh, was it more comedic <laughs> or was it more trying to make uh, a statement it it can it certainly can do both it i don't know if it does either of them as successfully as it could if it just picked a lane but how do you feel about john hill's hair uh it looks crunchy um <laughs> and then i saw infinity pool last night Please, please tell me, please tell me it was as fucked up as I want it to be. I, I wish it was a little more fucked up. God damn it, Brandon Cronenberg. And and that's, I think, you know, I, I like Brandon Cronenberg. Every one of his like premises, I'm always like, okay, let's see how this goes. And whether it's uh, antiviral or possessor or now infinity pool, I, I like, I enjoy the movie, but I always feel like there's like something lacking that i can't quite put my finger on like either he doesn't take it far enough or like doesn't make a point with how bleak his realities are like they're so hopeless and they're so grim but to like no real end um and so i feel like very similar to infinity pool mia goth though wow what a year that she's having and she really fucking chews the scenery and it's pretty fun to watch. So there's that like shot of her in the trailer saying something. And I don't even know what she's saying, but she's just like holding a gun and looks hinged. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's as unhinged in the movie. And you're kind of like, Oh yeah. I forgot this was in the trailer. Holy shit. She's nuts. Uh, and then I, and then last but not least, I did see Ke- uh, knock at the cabin, the new M night Shyamalan movie. Pretty meh pretty like uh-huh sure it feels like a long episode of television to be honest and it's not bad 
it just really just kind of felt like like a outer limits episode the thing that sucks about that movie is that there's not a one you know like a five word phrase five ish word phrase that you can describe that movie whereas like the beach that makes you old like like that's what i need that's what i need from my m night Shyamalan movies at this point in his career it's just such a dumb premise like that like yeah. i don't I mean, have maybe... to like explain like oh these people are here and like maybe the apocalypse will happen if one of them doesn't kill their family member like now that's too much is yeah. that not the just beach... also... killing of a sacred deer yeah kind of except yeah. it's not nearly as fucked up uh and like i i said I feel like the movie is basically predicated on somebody saying, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, a bunch of strangers broke into your house and they were like, you gotta kill one of your family members or, like, the whole fucking world is gonna end? And you're like, no way. And then they're like, no, but, like, really? Like, wouldn't that be fucking crazy? Thanks. And that's the premise of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, like, that's what it feels like. It's kind of like, yeah, sure. Like, this would be crazy, but, like... I know exactly what this is. There's, like, no surprises, really. Um, Did you like it more than Cabin in the Woods? No. Good. Cabin in the Woods is better. Good. Good. It should be Knock at the Cabin in the Woods, and it should be that four tropes enter somebody's house (laughs) and then are made to tie them up or something. I don't know. They can make it Is Bradley Whitford there with... uh... With a mermaid. Absolutely. <laughs> You're not going to cut the Bradley Whitford scenes, are you crazy? Um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, that's that's basically what I what I watched. Um, and then, obviously, All About Eve I watched with Chris, uh, which, one last time, thanks, Chris, for um, the commentary. And with that, I'm finished! <laughs>